Hi, <laughs> welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is Behind the Scenes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. My guest today is Bill Kreb, who is a beekeeper and a volunteer beekeeper at Colonial Williamsburg. Bill, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So I'm thanking you, and I also have to thank the listener who sent in this question because it's, it's something I had never thought about, bees in the colonial period. Well, the, the really, I think, exciting thing, especially for uh, Colonial Williamsburg, is that the first bees here in the colonies actually arrived and came up the James River in 1622 and were offloaded at Hopewell, Virginia, and they just took over and populated the, the country with bees. They just multiplied so fast. There were no honeybees in North America until the colonists brought them over in 1622. So before we talk too much about bees in the colonial period, can you tell me how do bees work? What's okay. the structure of the hive? What's the hierarchy of the jobs that are done? Uh, essentially, you have three types of bees. You've got a, in a hive, you've got a queen, you have maybe two, three hundred drones, they're the male bees, and then in a good hive, today, you would have anywhere around 50,000 worker bees. And uh, the worker bees, as the term say, they really do the work. Uh, they, they do all the inside work, and they go through a a, a neat change as they get older. Their first job is as a nurse bee, and they take care of the young in the, the hive. And then they, they later, then they become wax producers, where you get your beeswax. And then they become guard bees, standing at the entrance, preventing other bees that don't belong in the hive from coming in. Then they finally, about through half of their life, they now become a forager, and they will go out and find nectar. That is their carbohydrate, and that nectar is then converted into honey. Uh, and they'll also bring back pollen, and pollen is their protein. And so they bring back the pollen, and then that's fed to the uh, larva. And also, in the meantime, it's fed to the queen. As I said, there's just one queen, and she does not rule the hive, but, but she is a magnificent egg layer. A good queen, if I have a good queen, she'll lay 2,000 eggs per day. So, you know, but that's all she does, essentially, is lay eggs. The job for a drone is only to fertilize the queen. That's all he does. He sits around and eats honey all the other day. He doesn't even work on the hive. Uh, the downside for the drone is that the hive knows that he has no real function other than taking care of the queen. So in the fall, all drones are pushed out of the hive. No, no drones will be kept over because all they'll be doing is consuming the honey over the winter. Now, you, you picture it in the coldest part of the winter. Uh, it's... You know, even down here in Virginia, it gets down to 12 or something like that. In the hive, it's 75 degrees. What happens? The bees form a ball in the cold weather around the queen, and they eat the honey and shiver. 
just like you would if you're out outside, you shiver. And that muscle tra- reaction generates heat. And that's how they get it up to 75 degrees. But I just got to tell you what the coolest thing I think is. They take turns being on the outside. You know, it'd be colder on the outside than in the middle. So if you're in the middle and I'm on the outside, we'll change positions. So they, they, they are a wonderful example of, of harmony and they, they really work toward the good of the hive. So tell me about the relationship between man and bees. How does, how does the bee help man? How does man help the bee? Well, uh, of course, the, 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 probably the most important thing that the bees do are they are wonderful pollinators. And, and the, the, there are other insects that are good pollinators too. But the unique thing that the honeybee does, when she goes out and she finds a flower that she really likes, an apple blossom. She stays on the apple blossom and she'll go from one tree, one apple tree to another apple tree and essentially stay on that one crop where the bumblebee, who is a good pollinator too, she'll go to the apple tree and then she'll go down to the dandelion. Well, of course, the pollen that she picked up on the apple tree does not help the dandelion. You have to have the same pollen to pollinate it. Uh, but, but it goes on into all other kind of fruits and, and vegetables, cucumbers, squashes. Many, many uh, crops are pollinated by bees, and consequently that's where our food source comes. So that's why bees are important to man. And, and man is important to bees because, unfortunately, right now, Bees are under all kinds of attack. Uh, we, th- they've had a rough time uh, through the years. Recently, two mites have come in and are just devastating the bees. And now we have this thing that you may have heard called the co- colony collapse syndrome. Uh, and what is happening, the bees are just dying. Just, well, they, they, they leave, and, so the, and this has been going on now for three years, and large loss of bees. So man is now trying to figure out why, what is causing them. They think it may be a virus, but it, it, it could and probably is a, a new pesticide that has come out. So we've got to help the bees out because they help us out so much. So we talked about how bees are important to man, and I think one of the greatest examples of how bees are important to us is, is kind of played out in the fact that when um, England begins to colonize the Americas, one of the first things that they send over, you're settling a wilderness, and you yep. try to think about what are you going to need when you get there, and bees is on that list. Yes, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and, and uh, as I said, the, the, the bees became very important. Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth's favorite beverage was mead, and mead was, is made from honey, and it is fermented, and they will add all kinds of spices and things to it, but she, she was a, a big lover of mead, and so many people are today. And in fact, I, I think back in the 18th century, uh, mead probably uh, was used uh, as much as straight honey. A good source of alcohol. In addition to the honey, 
they got beeswax. And beeswax was, uh, and still is, very important. Uh, some, uh, I was doing some research, and from 1740 to 1744, 8,000 pounds of beeswax was shipped out of Yorktown. Now, Yorktown is a small little, up in, in Philadelphia, in one year, they were shipping 29,000, 30,000 pounds out. So, now, if you can Picture how fine the wax is in a comb. To be able to accumulate that volume of wax, you had an awful lot of hives. So there were a lot, a lot of hives back in those days. Not, they were either wild or kept. What are humans using wax for? Candles, I imagine? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, number one, candles. And uh, candles, I think, were the major use back in the revolutionary times. But... Uh, they they use them in lipsticks. They they use it in. Uh, they used to coat the insides of wine kegs to to uh, give it a, a, a waterproofing. Uh, they use it in shoe polishes. It 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 is used quite extensively in addition to to candles. What are those first beehives like that come to the Americas? Well, what what they were. Most of the ones that were brought over came from England. And at that period of time, there weren't many trees over in England because they had cut them all down. Remember, that's why we were shipping trees and lumber back to England back in the... So they used what they call skeps. And skeps are a straw basket. The word skep comes from a Scandinavian term meaning basket. It's a dome, and you've, you've probably seen pictures of them we don't have them anymore because we don't keep our bees in skeps now. But they were essentially brought over in uh, wo uh, woven skeps, or they would be brought in what they called gums. And gums became more popular here in the colonies because we had all these trees. And uh, the term gum comes from the black gum tree that it hollows out. So you, you have uh, the outside perimeter of, of the tree, and then it's hollow in the middle. And if you cut it off and made it maybe three feet uh, high, you would plug one end, and then you would restrict the other end so there's a smaller opening, and you would keep bees in this gum. So we know that bees and beekeeping are important in the export trade, but they also become important politically. Tell me about how honey becomes important when it's hard to get sugar. Oh, well, of course, you know, when we had the embargo against England and, and we would not trade with them, all of our sugar was coming from the Caribbean. And so all of the, if, if you did go along with the rules of, of not importing anything from the English colonies, uh, then you, the only sweetener you had was maple syrup, or honey. So honey became extremely valuable during that period of time. It, it was, it's been used all over the time, but that period of time it was, uh, of course, very important. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. We like hearing from you. Send us a comment at history.org slash podcasts. Check back often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.